This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCube, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. The biggest thing that I've learned about the land expropriation without compensation debate is that South Africa has no idea how our constitution works or what our constitution is actually about, the majority of South Africans. It feels like so many people are leaving the country or wanting to leave because of this uncertainty. So I've decided to interview a lawyer who majors in the South African constitution. I want to gain some certainty to understand what the F is going on in our country and perhaps our constitution. I'm going to be asking the questions that we need answers to. Desiree Lundstrom, thank you so much for joining me on this Jackpot episode. It's really cool to have you in studio. I am at a place where I just want to bombard you with a million questions. But before I do so, I think it's important for our listeners to understand why would you know about the Constitution? Well, hello, Brent, and uh, hello to the listeners. I'm a practicing advocate at the Johannesburg Bar, and I work in the area of constitutional law, administrative law as well. And a lot of my work deals with how the state acts and how we can challenge the conduct of the state. So one of the issues that has come up quite frequently is this issue of, well, certainly recently, is this issue of uh, expropriation and particularly the issue of expropriation without compensation. It is, I mean, it's a huge narrative. It's all over our dinner tables. We sit around dinner tables and everybody's speaking about it. And yeah, I've learned in life, I think it was in marketing when I was studying, that if you read any text, if it's, if it's a book or if it's the newspaper, and you get to a piece of a paragraph or a sentence that you don't quite understand, your brain literally switches off. It's a real thing. Your brain switches off. Expropriation without compensation are, are two big words that I don't think a lot of South Africans fully understand. So, I mean, what is expropriation and what is expropriation without compensation. Okay, perhaps I can unpack that for you. Expropriation is when the rights to ownership of a particular piece of property. Now, property in this context is not necessarily land. The idea of uh, Section 25 is actually of the Constitution is actually to keep open the possibility that property relates to other things like intellectual property. So in the general context, I think we're talking about expropriation of immovable property, which is land. And that occurs when the state takes ownership of private land. And this has existed for many years. It predates our constitutional era. And there are legitimate reasons why it has always been part of our law. For instance, where government needs to build a road and there's private land that the road would go through, then it's legitimate for the government to say, well, listen, we need to actually take that land from you. And generally, the landowner is then compensated for the loss of the ownership of the land and the beneficial use of the land. There are also other important social reasons why expropriation can occur. Well, and it's, that, it's that big word. It's apartheid, right? 
Well, that was historically, yes. And so there was a piece of pie which was land and the state owned some of it and private owners own other parts of it. And historically, black people were not permitted to own land. So they were deprived of their ownership of land historically. Now, the Constitution seeks to redress those past wrongs. And one of the mechanisms that it introduced is Section 25 of the Constitution, which permits this expropriation, where to do so would redress some of the past injustices and transfer ownership to people who deserve to have land. So expropriation, the Section 25 has been in our Constitution for how long? Well, since the Constitution came into effect, the final Constitution was 1996. 1996. And has there been a lot of expropriation in the last, what, 20 years? Well, I can't answer exactly factually how many land um, expropriation cases have occurred, but there has been expropriation. Generally, in my research, it has occurred with compensation because that's what Section 25 provides. And the expropriation in Section 25, you speak about cases, which which for me is the first time I've gone, hold on, you need to follow a procedure in order to expropriate land. Yes, well indeed, one of the most important provisions of Section 25 is that no one can be arbitrarily deprived of property. So arbitrary deprivation means that I would go to your house, Brent, and say, mm, this looks really nice and I'm grabbing that. You're going to knock on the door and be I'm like... I'm going to knock on the door. I've want... heard you live in a very nice place. <laughs> You're like, I don't want sugar, I want your house. Exactly. <laughs> so that's arbitrary. You've got to follow a process. And what's more, it's the state that follows the process. It's not one one individual seeking to expropriate the land from another individual. The state takes on the mantle of expropriation and will earmark particular property and say, for particular reasons, we need to expropriate this one, this one, and this one. So I'm not going to get political, but you did say state. And, and yes. so my question there is, it, this is going to sound like the oddest question, but it's really where my thinking is going. Is it one person in the state or is it a group of people, a, a sort of an exco that would decide? What is the state? No, the state is, well, as we understand, government. And government would normally be through a ministry, um, the department, would earmark particular parts of land. And after doing investigations about what land is appropriate, what land is being used, for what purpose it's being used, they might then say, well, in this particular area, we need X number of extra properties. And in order to uh, relocate people, we need to expropriate that land. So it's not an individual, it's, it's part of a system. And as I say, there are processes and there's research that goes on prior to this being done. Is this just a South African thing? Is expropriation without compensation just a South African problem? Not at all. And it's, I said problem, maybe it's not a problem because we're, we're readdressing problems and we're trying to fix that through this Section 25. Well, no, Brent, it's a global phenomenon. In most countries, governments give themselves the right to expropriate land. And as I mentioned earlier, where you need to build a highway, the government needs to be able to, in certain circumstances, say, we need this land. Again, in no countries is it arbitrary where there is a democratic order. I love that, democratic, because that, that comes into play.
that's, yes, that's indeed, huge. Indeed. And it's one of the reasons why I think we can quell some of the fears and anxiety about expropriation, whether it's with compensation or without compensation. Because although expropriation has been part of our uh, legal system, predating the constitutional era, the constitution has greatly uh, regulated how expropriation can occur. So as I alluded to earlier, you can't have arbitrary deprivation of property, uh, of, of your right to property, which means that there's got to be due process. But by the same token, there is some dispute, uh, debates within the legal fraternity about whether only expropriation without compensation is permitted by Section 25, or whether it's possible to actually expropriate without compensation in terms of the existing property clause, Section 25. So that's already debatable right now? It is indeed, yes. And I understand there may be a, a test case in which the government may seek to test whether, in fact, the provision is such that there can be expropriation without compensation. But it comes back all to to law then, because there's going to be a test and there'll be a case and there'll be judges involved and there'll be people that will dissect this. It's not going to be a quick decision to go, that farm over there, (laughs) We, we need to take that one and we need to take it now. Right. So... So because there has to be due process and because the Constitution currently provides for those processes, even if expropriation without compensation is permissible under the current legal regime, uh, Section 25.8, which is the section in question which may or may not authorise expropriation without compensation, says that that can only happen when you have due regard to the limitations clause, which is the, Section 36 of the Constitution. So any expropriation without compensation would still have to be reasonable and justifiable. Uh, the court would have to consider whether the nature of the right not to be deprived of your property is more important than the right you're being deprived of uh, by expropriation, uh, what the purpose is of this limitation, and whether there are less restrictive means. In other words, I would imagine that inquiry would, would ask the question, well, would expropriation with compensation actually be less restrictive in the circumstances? So there are a variety of considerations at play which the court will consider prior to doing any expropriation, either with or without compensation. That was, what, that was one of the questions on the list that I had, is can you look at a piece of the Constitution as a standalone thing. So you just mentioned that 20, Section 25.8, uh, it, it's relevant to Section 36, I think you said. Yes, that's correct. You can't just take one piece of the Constitution and use it for what you want to. You need to look at it as a whole, right? Absolutely. And one of the important factors is that any constitutional amendment which might be effected would have to be in line with the entire constitution. So were a constitutional amendment to occur, the constitutionality of that amendment would be tested against different parts of the constitution. So for instance, any limitation to a, a right in the Bill of Rights, which includes the property clause, is subject to a test of section 36. So you can only limit rights in the Bill of Rights if you test them against the requirements of section 36, 
which means are they is it reasonable and justifiable the nature and the purpose of the limitation are there less restrictive means etc etc and what's more and and i think this is a very important takeaway for your listeners brent section one of the constitution says that the values of the constitution are the supremacy of the constitution and the rule of law so nothing can occur which violates the rule of law. So whether it is the state acting... I feel, I feel like you need to just... Nothing can occur... Without adherence to the rule of law. I think that's so incredibly important. Um, I started off the interview by speaking about the uncertainty. And I think the one certain thing that I've gathered up to this point is that as South Africans, we do not know enough about our constitution. That's true. A lot of people believe that there's a Bill of Rights uh, that, you know, you have no access to, that it's for the elite, people who've got money, who can litigate, that it actually doesn't protect people. But that's really not true. Um, Yes, you know, that may be true in certain circumstances, but the idea is that the Constitution is for all and it protects our rights at every conceivable level. Hugely important. And I think if you're listening right now, you can Google the South African Constitution and it'll pop up. And you just need to do a little bit of reading. That's, I mean, get to know your constitution so you can understand what all of these terms mean and what our rights mean. I have a question about the expropriation without compensation when it comes to, to land, right? So, I mean, I've got lots of questions here for you. But uh, one of the biggest things is there's a huge narrative about farmlands. Right. So as South Africans are, are picking up their newspapers or sharing posts on social media, a lot of it falls around the farmlands are going to be expropriated. Is this the case? Is it just farmlands or is it also someone's condo in, in Santon overlooking the parks? Like, should everybody be fearful that, that someone could put a claim in for their, their land? Well, firstly, there's a lot of speculation and I don't have access to all these facts. There's a lot of information in the media and you're not sure to what extent that information is based on facts. But in theory, the property clause in the Constitution, and I'm quite sure any constitutional amendment, is general enough to incorporate any property. So, as I said, it it's not necessarily limited to land at all, which would mean that it's not necessarily limited to rural land. But I don't think you need to fear that, you know, your condo in Santon is going to fall prey to a land grab or uh, expropriation. I'm not saying that it cannot be earmarked for compensation, but when any expropriation application is tested, it will be tested against the requirements of the rule of law, the requirements in Section 25, the requirements of the limitations clause in the Constitution. So the question is, is there a particular reason why we want Brent's condo in Santon? Or is that arbitrary? Is there another piece of land that might equally serve the purpose that we're trying to achieve in this particular act of expropriation? And it, it comes back to that arbitrary word. You can't Absolutely. you can't just knock on someone's door and go, damn, I like your rug and your couch and your view. And I want that to be mine now. Absolutely. Non-arbitrariness is one of the principles of the rule of law. Non-arbitrariness, rationality and legality. Those are three of the tenets that underpin 
all conduct by the state and particularly prevent people from resorting to self-help. One of the things that you also mentioned was media. And I think I want to just drive a nail home here that a lot of the media and... (laughs) You know, social media falls in that sort of news category where people will see a post and they'll read it and opinion quickly becomes fact for some reason. If you are reading something or sharing something or thinking of sharing something and and the word assumed is in there or our, our source said or allegedly, then I think a huge thing for me from a, from a journalistic point of view is that it's not concrete. <laughs> So whatever you're reading is not concrete. I put this post up on my Facebook saying that I am going to interview you. And I said, is there any questions that um, that people have? And the oddest questions came in. And it made me realize that people believe everything they read. This 135 farms kept on being thrown around. Which, which 135 farms have they chosen? Do, do we know? Is there a list? I honestly don't know. I've read the same news articles that you have. And... You know, until such time as one sees an actual list that forms part of a court case or forms part of an application to expropriate, I wouldn't want to speculate. And what's what's really scary is those those news articles are coming from big mainstream media houses. So you all of a sudden think, damn, must be true. But here's the reality. Everybody's looking for the next story. So I think when it comes to your own reading and your own knowledge and, and when you're looking at something, understand and look for those keywords. Allegedly is a huge one for me. Mm-hmm. If I see allegedly in a news article, I'm like, wah. Stop reading. (laughs) Don't even know what that is. One of the other things that have been shared and shared and shared and I've seen all over my timelines is about some international treaty that we have and we're not allowed to change the constitution. And it, it actually made my stomach turn because our constitution changed in 1996. Like we've changed it to be the new constitution. So can a constitution be amended? A constitution can most definitely be be amended, and our constitution has been already amended since 1996 several times. Most recently, it changed the jurisdiction of the constitutional court. It used to be the apex court only in constitutional matters, but as we've recently heard in some quite high-profile cases, the jurisdiction of the constitutional court now incorporates matters of general public importance as well as constitutional issues. So that's been an amendment. And if, and if that wasn't amended, it wouldn't be stronger, tighter and better. Well, I suppose one could make that argument that previously only constitutional matters went to the constitutional court and very often deserving cases that needed further consideration by the courts or would have warranted further consideration by the courts simply did not have the necessary uh, facts or legal indices to invoke the jurisdiction of the constitutional court. So the court was obliged to decline to hear those matters. So that was amended to widen the jurisdiction. So you have more levels of courts considering matters and and hopefully with a better outcome. A better outcome is what we're looking for. When I put this out on social media, there were were interesting things and I'd like to debunk a couple of myths, if you may. If you do laugh out loud, I will laugh with you. Um, (laughs) But but the reality is is that this is a, a real concern on some South Africans' minds. And maybe it's some South Africans that are willing to to speak up about it, 
but it is, I mean, it's there. It's in the back of their mind. So the first one, I've got what one, two, three, four, five. Has anyone in South Africa ever not paid for land? And, and I guess the question is, during apartheid, were they handing out land like money in a strip club? Well, I'm not sure exactly how the apartheid government operated, but there may be instances in which people were given land. And in fact, uh, I think it, it certainly has happened in the post-constitutional era. People have not had to pay for land, but that's part of a land reform policy. So, for instance, where you have people who are illegally occupying, well, sometimes illegally occupying, other times uh, they are given security of tenure uh, because they have occupied the land for an extended period of time without title, then the state might expropriate that property and then permit people to live on it. If I mean, I mean, I'm going off my list here, but if I was living on land that was given to some, would I know? Like if if land was given to my great 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 grandfather, and and he'd passed that land down, and it's just sort of in the wills, would I know that the land was given to him? Well, you could probably find that information in the deeds registry, but exactly how transfer occurred may or may not historically be available. But I think the information's in the, in the the title deed. So a call to action: If you're worried, go and go to the <laughs> deeds office. Um, second one: If my land gets taken, do I still need to pay for my bond? <laughs> Well, perhaps you can send your your invoice for your bond to the state. <laughs> I mean, that that would never hold up in courts. If I can get why someone would be concerned, because there's all this uncertainty and these these questions are going. Um, but if your land gets taken, I would think in the court of law in South Africa, they wouldn't expect you to still pay for your bond. Look, I would I would have to speculate on that, but I I think it does seem unfair that somebody would be expected to continue paying their bond. Correct. But, yeah. <laughs> um, if some, I love the wording in this. If someone expropriates my land, can I expropriate it back? <laughs> and is that like, if somebody snatches my purse, can I snatch it back? <laughs> I guess that's the question, yeah. No, but, but you know what, Brent, we, we laugh. These are genuine concerns, and where people don't understand what expropriation is. They might have those fears and they might feel like they're genuine. So, no, only the state expropriates. You're not going to have somebody knocking on your door door and expropriating your land if it's not the state. This is an interesting one. Can the bank be charged for being part of an illegal sale? And I guess the question here is if you had purchased land from someone who was given land and that land was actually not theirs to begin with, but then you bonded your house through the bank, is it an illegal sale? It, I mean, it's it's so confusing. Look, that seems like a particular factual scenario, and you'd have to consider each and every stage of the transactions, who knew what. But I think any anxiety that is founded on that kind of factual scenario is probably unfounded. The last question, and it's it's one that I could ask everybody on social media, and I'm going to be asking you, why should people not be concerned? Well... I have great faith in our constitutional democracy. I think that once we shed the shackles of the past and we adopted the new constitution, it was done democratically. And the principles of the rule of law are imbued throughout the constitution and throughout our legislation. And we can rely on government acting lawfully. Where it doesn't act lawfully, then this conduct can be challenged in the courts. So. We always have recourse to courts if we are of the opinion that uh, the state hasn't acted lawfully. But 
I think we, we can sleep soundly at night knowing that we are protected by the Constitution and the rule of law. It may not always seem like that, and it may seem that uh, due process takes time, but ultimately it should afford us the kind of protection that we need. I love that. And Desiree, it's been amazing having you on the show. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm in it, in it for the long haul. Um, I believe that South Africa is alive with possibility. I love living here. I think we have the world of opportunity at our fingertips. And two things that I can say is, if you want a good neighborhood, you need to start looking after your neighbors. And, and the only way we'll get through this is together. We're in it together. And I think um, having you on the show has made me feel a little bit safer. I know that our, our law is standing for us and our constitution is for us. And guys, I want you guys, anybody that's listening, if you are fearful, if you do worry about your property or, or your job or where you stand in, in this side of South Africa, read the constitution. Pick up your laptop, read the constitution, go to Home Affairs, get a copy of it. It's, it's there and it's for us and it's, it's made to protect us. This is the Good Things Guide. That's it. Wishing you only good things. And for more good things, visit www.goodthingsguy.com. Okay? Love you. Bye.